there is a scene um, that plays itself out in houses across America each week. Uh, maybe yours, maybe not. Um, a spouse, <clears throat> I won't say whether it's husband or wife, could be sitting in a chair. So you take your own inference from who's sitting in the chair. Um, when the other one says, sweetie, can you take out the trash? In, in a minute. Um, a little while later. Maybe a few minutes. Maybe the uh, next day. Um, it's asked again. Can you take out the trash? Now, I, I can neither confirm nor deny whether or not that happens in our house. Um, but... I know that scenario plays itself out. And it's all about promises. It's all about what we do with promises. It's all about waiting for promises and, and, and waiting for it to come true. Um, Carrie and I did deal with those things. Maybe for you it's not trash. Maybe it's uh, picking your laundry up off the floor. Women are probably saying amen all through the auditorium. They just won't say it out loud this morning. Maybe it's something else that you're doing all together. There's something that, that you've asked, and we always say, I'll do it. I'll get to it, and somehow I don't get to it. I forget. I get busy. I'm watching a show. Something happens. But nobody, I think, understood waiting on promises more than the man in our text today. We are this morning in the book of Genesis, that very first book of the Bible. Uh, and we're looking at a man named Abram. And in this text, he is Abram still. He had been faithful to God. Can you imagine being a man who's lived most of his life? He, he's middle-aged, you know, maybe even pushing senior citizen. And God says, get up, move, and go to the place I'm going to show you. Not go, you know, when we received a call and we moved here, we knew we were moving to La Pan. It wasn't that, that God said, get up and go, and I'll show you when you get there. God didn't say that. Carrie might not have said yes. She might have said, Troy, you were out of your mind. I'm not going if I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Well, you never know. But Abram was told, just get up and go. Get up and move and walk. And so Abram was faithful. He got up. He moved. He left. He, he rescued his nephew from, from a king. He had been faithful to God. He'd given up everything to follow God. And then in chapter 15 of Genesis, God promises him a great reward. He says, Abram, I'm going to give you a great reward. And Abram says, well, God, what reward is going to be good enough for me? I don't even have an heir. And my servant's going to receive everything. And so God says, well, I'll tell you what. Your reward is an heir. Actually, your reward is countless heirs. Then Abraham goes on with his life, waiting on the promise of God. And we know at some point, at least Sarai, his wife, who wasn't, we don't know was spoken directly to God at this point. She gets um, concerned. She says, Abram. I'm a senior citizen. I ain't going to have no baby. So maybe what God's wanting you to do is take my handmaiden and have a baby. She's younger. She can handle it. Take her and we can get God's work to go the way God needs it to go. And so Abraham does this because, you know, happy wife, happy life, right? Mm -hmm. Not so happy, right? What happens is he has a baby, Hagar, the handmaiden, has a baby. Ishmael is his name. And then the text falls silent for a while. Now, sometimes we learn something 
by what's not in the text, and we learn something from the silence. We, we learn a little bit about Hagar, Hagar and Ishmael here. And, uh, you know, it's been 13 to 14 years since God has last spoken to Abram in our text this morning. 24 since he left home. Um, <laughs> you ever been through one of those times when God is silent, you feel? You're crying out. God, I, I know you have these promises for me, but I don't see the promises occurring. I don't see them happening. God, what is it? And it's been 13 years. I can't imagine waiting 13 years. I guess I can. We waited 10 for Shiloh. For 10 years, we pounded on the door of heaven. God, God, you promised. You promised. We, we lost two. The first year of our marriage, we were pregnant and we lost a baby. You know, devastating. And then we waited, how many years was it? Eight? Eight or nine, pregnant again. We were overjoyed. We, we thought, you know, we started making plans again, and then we lost the baby. We borrowed somebody from my mom. We got out of town. We went to Wyoming, and we visited a cousin, and we came back, and we waited two months, and we went to a fifth Sunday sing in uh, Kwana. And... It's the first time we'd ever sung before at the fifth Sunday sing, and we sang. And afterwards, this guy walked up and he goes, I can't believe you're here. What? He said, well, I used to be the Assembly of God pastor in Kroll, and I came to your church um, about five weeks ago, and you weren't there because God gave me a word to tell you. Okay, he said, I've been looking to get a hold of you for weeks now. And, well... I tried your church, and I never was over there. I tried going elsewhere. Tonight, I was going to go to church here in Kwana, and every church was closed until I pulled up to this one. It was packed. Couldn't have found out every church in town's here. He said, but God had a word for you. He said, God is still the God of Abraham and Sarah. <laughs> what? So then we, I brought Carrie over, so you have to hear this. Man, I never met before. Still the God of Abraham and Sarah, the, the one who waited so long for the child. And so we walked away. We were disappointed. We were upset. We had tried to adopt through CPS. That fell through because of funding issues with CPS that year. And then we left Chillicothe and we ended up on staff as the interim youth minister in Kwana. And while we were in the church serving as interim youth minister, where we'd received this word from God. Shiloh was conceived. When you wait 13 or 14 years to hear something from God, there's something about the validity of his promise. As far as we know, God hasn't spoken, but we know that Abraham is dealing with his choices. Can you imagine? Sarai has never given him a child, but her handmaiden has. And he's growing. And Abraham loves the boy. It's his child. I mean, he, he loves him. But Sarah, she despises him. And she despises her handmaiden. She despises all of this. All of this, this family situation is what's going on. It's what we find here in our text this morning. And so if you are able, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 17 as I read to you the first 22 verses. And it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him saying, I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be blameless. 
I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell face down, and God spoke with him. As for me, my covenant is with you. With You You will become the father of many nations. Your name will be no longer Abram, but your name will be Abraham. For I will make you the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. And will make nations and kings come from you. I will keep my covenant between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all the land of Canaan, as an eternal possession. And I will be their God. God also said to Abraham, as for you, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations are to keep my covenant. This is my covenant which you are to keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every one of your males must be circumcised. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and you. Throughout your generations, every male among you at eight days old is to be circumcised. This includes a slave born in your house and one purchased with money from a foreigner. The one who is not your offspring, a slave born in your house, as well as one purchased with money, must be circumcised. My covenant will be marked in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. If any male is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that man will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, As for your wife Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. I will bless her indeed, and I will give her by a son by her. I will bless her and she will produce nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And Abraham fell face down. Then he laughed and said to himself, Can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Can Sarah, a ninety-year-old woman, give birth? So Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael were acceptable to you. But God said, No, your wife Sarah will bear you a son. And you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his future offspring. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will certainly bless him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him greatly. He will father 12 tribal leaders and I will make him into a great nation. But I will confirm my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year. And when he had finished talking with him, God withdrew from Abraham. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel, may the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. amen. That's a crazy story. You know, I mean, there's not many of you in here that are 90 years old who say, I want to have a baby. That's just not something that normally happens, correct? And so Abraham here is waiting on God. He's like, God, your promises have to be gone because I am too old. There's nothing more for me to do. Abraham is sitting here in the worst place. But, you know, sometimes God has to get us to our lowest point before he can reveal his plan and blessings. He's got to get us to the very lowest point before we'll look up at him. We have to get our own plans out of the way. How often does God do that to us? How often does he say, okay... You do what you need to do, you work through all this mess, and when you get to that point where you see you can't do it, come to me. I'll show you the way. I'll show you how this works. I'll show you the way that this, this needs to get done. Oh, you want to reach this city with your special program? Go ahead. We'll see how well it works. But when it fails, go ahead Come back to me and I'll show you mine. Sometimes God has to get us to that lowest point. We have to find ourselves at the exact lowest point in our lives before we can look up. 
How often is it that we get there? It shouldn't be that way. We should have a faith in God where we can say, okay, God, I will believe you and follow, but we are prideful people. We find ourselves thinking we can do anything we want to do. So we have this pride and we go, well, I know how God wants to do this. That was, that was Sarah's problem, right? Well, Abraham, I am uh, I'm 77 years old. I don't feel like having a baby. God can't mean that. God must mean this. Do you do that? God, I know you want me to do this, but you really can't mean that. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, <laughs> when, when Jesus says to the rich young ruler, well, go take everything you have and sell it and give it to the poor and then come follow me. People say, well, Jesus couldn't have really meant for him to give everything away. Why not? Why, why do we doubt those things? When God says to do something, why do we doubt it? You know, here we, we find this. Abraham is at the lowest point. Sarah, she's at her lowest point. They're at this point where there's, there is tension in the family. They don't know what's going on. What happens? God comes in and he says something. The key here is, you know, we have to position ourselves to receive the blessings God has for us. He says to Abraham, be faithful and blameless, and then I will bless you. Sometimes we miss God's blessings because we're not in God's will, because we're not where God wants us to be. Sometimes the blessing is encouragement from someone. How often is it that you run into someone that you needed to see in a place you never expected to see them, and somehow it gave you confirmation that you were in the right spot? What day did we go to Granbury the first time? <laughs> it was two, last week. Last Tuesday, we went to Granbury. And uh, we got there, we're walking around Walmart, and I see this guy walking beside us, and I keep looking at him. Okay. And then he opens his mouth and he talks to Micah. And I turned and I said, you lived in Chillicothe, didn't you? He said, I did. I said, Frank Shoddy. He said, yes, sir. You worked on the parsonage in Chillicothe for me several times. <laughs> and we were like... What a small world, how God worked that out, how God did those things. I saw a blessing and I got a confirmation because I saw someone I needed to see. Sometimes, maybe it's another divine appointment. Sometimes it's, well, Carrie and I met at Howard Payne. Several things had to fall in place for me to be there when she was there. I missed a class that was the basis for all my other major classes. So I had to wait an extra year. So I took all these extra classes. My, my, my degree plan was like 150 credits by the time I finished. I mean, I had to just keep taking classes over and over and over again to get there in, in order to where she was. And then that year, I was busy as a pastor of this small church. I was doing all these things, but I felt God saying, be a boot camp leader, a freshman orientation leader. And so I was, and she was in my group. I did a good job of orientating her, I guess, to, to Howard Payne. But that, that's how it was. I wouldn't have seen her any other way. Our, our paths probably wouldn't have crossed because she was in different classes. I was an upperclassman. She was a lowerclassman. The only two classes she would have had in the building that I was in all day long was intro to Old Testament, intro to New Testament, and I wasn't in the building a thousand times of the day. But because I followed God and listened, that divine appointment occurred. Sometimes... It's not about being in a location. It's about being open to what God is doing. 
Maybe it's just hearing what God says to do this. About six to eight months back, Carrie and I were having some dinner with some friends in Rosa's Cafe in Odessa. And uh, I brought cash with me. That's, that's different for me. I usually just swap the card and I'm done. <laughs> brought cash with me. And I counted the cash before I got out of the car because I was thinking I need to know how much we have to spend. Well, we got inside and the friends paid for our dinner. As we're sitting at the table, a woman walks up. I'm uh, staying in the homeless shelter across town in Odessa. I've come over here to get some things that I need. And I need, I forgot how much money it was, X amount of dollars to get back to the homeless shelter tonight and I were to have somewhere to sleep. That's exactly the amount of money that I had in my wallet. And I only knew that because I had stopped to count the cash and I only had the cash because I decided to take cash that night. I don't know why. Sometimes it's being tuned in to what God has said to do. We had to position ourselves to receive the blessings that God has for us. We have to be where he wants us to be because technically the blessings God has for us already exist. They already exist. It's, I have made, that's what I love about this. It says, I have made you a father of many nations. That's, this translation is not a good translation. All the other translations say, I have made. The Hebrew word here has this process, this meaning of a process that has already begun. I have made you a nation. Here's Abraham, a hundred years old. His wife's 90 years old. They're thinking, there's no way we're going to have any kids. And God says, I'm going to make you a nation. Your kids are going to be as numerous as the seashore. And the saying, not, not, not Ishmael, Sarah's son, your 90-year-old wife. She's going to do it. Now, God knows the blessings he's going to pour out because they're already happening for God. God lives in a place unlike the place that we live in. He does something we call the eternal now. That's how we've always explained it. Explain it. I'll explain it like a basketball game. That'd go good here, right? A basketball game. You sit up at the very top. And if you're at the top, you can see the whole court. You know, if I'm sitting on the first row right in the middle, I may miss something down here or over here. If I'm sitting up at the top, I see everything. I see what's here. I see what's there. I see what all's going on. That's how God sees history. He stands there and he sees it all. The reason God has both chosen me, but I choose him, the reason it's a both end is because God knows what I'm going to do because it's already happening for him at the same time. It all happens at once. And I'm not going to try to explain that. I don't care to explain that. I just know that Jesus loves me. And I know that God has these things for me. They already exist. They're already there. Now, we may miss some if we're not faithful, but that doesn't mean they didn't exist. How many times have you just missed a sale? Now, maybe men don't understand this as well. I don't know. How many times have you walked and you go, oh, that was, that was 15,000% off yesterday, and I missed it. Or you have a coupon, 45,000% off, and it was yesterday. And I could have used that today, and it's gone now. It's like the blessings of God. God gives us blessings, and they already exist. He's waiting for us to take them. But if we're not where he wants us to be, we're going to miss them. Just like that sale that we missed out on. But one of the best things about this passage for me is that when God brings a change, he fundamentally changes us. He said, Abraham, or Abram, you're no longer going to be called Abram. You're going to be called Abraham. 
Now, names in the Old Testament had great meaning. Abram meant exalted father. Can you imagine being 70, 80 years old in a, in a society that prizes fatherhood and your name is exalted father and you have no children? It was a mark of shame. The man walked around defeated knowing that he was not living up to the name that had been bestowed upon him. Exalted father. But God says, no longer will you be Abraham. Abram. You'll be Abraham, the father of many. I am changing who you are. And as for your wife, Sarai, anybody know what Sarai means? It means argumentative. <laughs> mm -hmm. We may all think we have a Sarai at times around. You never know. But it means argumentative. He says, no longer will she be called argumentative. Instead, she will be called princess of God. Sarah. When God begins to change in our life and move in our lives, He changes us fundamentally. He changes who we are. He doesn't just change our circumstance. He changes us. He makes us somebody different. The thing about prayer that I've always... Somebody asked me, well, why doesn't God answer my prayer? Well, maybe you're not praying in the right way because prayer's purpose isn't for God to just hear me and do what I ask Him to do. Prayer's purpose is to change me, is to tune me to the heart of God so that I can know what it is that God would have me to ask and call out to Him in that way. When God brings a change, He fundamentally changes you. He changes who you are at a level, at, at, at a molecular level, if you were, at a spiritual level. What, is the, what does the New Testament tell us? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Something different has happened. And the Greek there doesn't say he is. It just says, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. It's different. It's changed. You are somebody else and God has put you in a different place. For me to look back at my life how it used to be and live my life how it used to be, I am deceiving myself. And I am turning my nose at the cross of Jesus. But the key here is, in all of this, is that when God offers us the best, He does it if we'll just let go of the rest. What does Abraham say? God says, I'm going to call you Abraham. You're going to be the father of many. I'm going to give you lots and lots and lots of children. You're going to have nations and kings come from you. It's going to be wonderful. And Abraham says, oh, but Sarah, that argumentative woman you gave me, she's 90 years old, God. Could you please just use Ishmael? Could you just use Ishmael? And God says, no. No, I can't. It's not the plan I have for you. The, the truth here, there's this little story that I've always been told of a little girl who has a, uh, a string of play pearls. And she absolutely loves those pearls. She wears them around the house. She wears them to church. She wears them everywhere she goes. They are her pride and joy. And one day her daddy walks in to the bedroom during prayer time and he says, Sweetie, do you love me? Yes, Daddy, I love you. Will you give me your pearls? Daddy, I love you, but these are my pearls. I can't give you my pearls. It's okay. Just go to bed. 
comes in a few weeks later, asks the same question, the same scene plays itself out, and he tries this week after week after week. And finally, one day he walks in and he says, Sweetie, do you love me? And with tears in her eyes, she said, Daddy, you know I love you. Can I have your pearls? And his great big tears began to stream down her face. She pulled her pearls off of her bed and she handed them to her daddy. And in that moment, her daddy reached around in his back pocket and he pulled out a box. And inside the box was a string of genuine pearls that he gave to his little girl. She couldn't have the best until she got rid of the rest. God has a blessing for us, has a blessing for you. But if you're holding on to the rest, if you're holding on to what the world tells you is treasure, he can't give you what he has for the best. Because receiving the best blessings of God are always dependent upon our faithfulness to him. You know, God will bless you sometimes when you're outside his will. Because God loves you. There are times when Shiloh... (laughs) isn't doing what he's supposed to do. Go imagine. I mean, But there are times, even when he's not acting right, that I still want to shower him with love. There are times that I still want to give him things that are unimaginable in his mind that are just the best things in the world. God may bless you when you are outside his will. He's gracious, but, but here's the point. If you're being blessed while outside of God's will, how much more will you be blessed inside his will? Still trying to teach my children that sometimes. When God's blessing us, when we're outside of his will, imagine the multiplication of that will. Imagine the multiplication of that blessing when we're in his will. When we're where he wants us to be doing what he wants us to do. How many blessings do we miss out on because we're not doing what God has called us to do? One of the greatest blessings in this world is um, to help others. And we, we seem to have turned our, our definition of blessing into something that we always get. But sometimes the blessing is what we give. Carrie and I, this week, we went to buy groceries. Um, We started to buy groceries. Left Wednesday morning early. Some of you heard this. You were here Wednesday night. But we uh, got about to Thorpe Spring, and there was a truck in the middle of the road. Smoke coming out of it. And uh, I got out. And we were there an hour and a half with a lady and her husband. He had a prosthetic leg and he had forgotten to bring it that morning. And the lady thought the truck was on fire and we were getting him out and getting her out and we spent time with them. That was such a blessing for me to be there. You know, it threw my entire day off, but who cares? There was a blessing in that. That's something that God gave us. Sometimes our best blessings are what we give others. This morning I talked to the kids about one of those blessings. My question for you is this week, when's the last time you shared Jesus with somebody? 
That's the greatest blessing of all. Because like I said, all the good deeds we do and everything else without the cross, they just add up to hell. You know, we just got to be blunt about that, right? Some way, our culture seems to think that heaven is our default place, but it's not. The Bible is clear that hell is the default place. And if we aren't doing what God has called us to do and sharing the cross with those around us, how unloving are we? <laughs> this morning, maybe you are in a uh, spot where God's blessings seem to have dried up. I would ask you, are you sure you're where God wants you to be? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Are you the place where God wants you to be? This morning, maybe you, you want to pray. I'll pray with you. Uh, the altar's open. Or maybe this morning, maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've, you've been in church your entire life. I mean, Abraham was 100 years old when God's promises came true. So there's no reason why, even if you're 120, that if you don't know Jesus, you can't know him today. If you've never known Jesus as your Savior, let this day be the day. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed five minutes from now. We're guaranteed this moment. Whatever you need this morning, wherever you're at, give it to him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you came in spite of who we are to die on a cross for me. Father, take this time and use it for your glory. Make every need known. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. Amen.